chapter 5, and we're going to be just focusing on the one verse this morning. Interesting. The importance of allowing ourselves to mourn deeply. The preparations really challenged me. I said to Andrew, I found this so difficult. Just looking at one verse, but the Lord has um, really touched my heart and I hope I can share some of those wonderful spiritual truths with you. <clears throat> I shouldn't say this, but the phrase good morning will never be the same again. I didn't get it. <laughs> okay, the Gospel of Matthew... We able to change slide, Graham, please? Yeah, Lord, just thank you for your word, and this is a living truth. We ask the help of the Holy Spirit to help us to understand it and to apply these wonderful living truths to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The Gospel of Matthew was written around about AD 60, 70 the people who had witnessed the events happened were still alive and they knew and knew they were the truth. Matthew was Jewish. He was one of the 12 apostles. He was also called Levi. His occupation no, it doesn't yep. His occupation when Jesus chose him was a tax collector. There he is as a tax collector. Tax collectors were despised by the Jewish people because they worked for Rome and often ripped off their own people. Matthew was focusing on the question, is Jesus the Messiah, the King of Israel? He was writing to the Jewish people to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. Matthew presents the life and ministry of Jesus as the fulfilment of the long-awaited Messiah. <clears throat> this series of sermons <clears throat> focus on the teaching from the Sermon on the Mount given by Jesus to his disciples. This teaching is recorded in Matthew 5, 6 and 7. It's also recorded in Luke chapter 6. There is Jesus on the mount. Let's just read some of those verses again. This is Matthew 5, verses 1 to 5. One day, as Jesus saw the crowds gathering, he went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and Jesus began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor in spirits and realise their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's where we're going today. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. These introductory verses, Jesus taught his disciples that true life is to be found in three very unexpected ways. 
Let's look at the first of these before we go into the... God blesses those who are poor in spirits. <clears throat> those who realise their need for God. He also says, God blesses those who mourn their sinfulness and who find their comfort in God. And the third point, which Andrew will come to, I believe, next week. God blesses those who are humble and who seek their riches in Christ. Aren't they unusual qualities of life? We can see a progression linking these verses. A person who is poor in spirit realises their need for God. As a result, they will mourn their own sinfulness and then humbly turn to God to find forgiveness. Poor in spirit, mourning, humility. In the context of these verses, Jesus is speaking of the character of people who are disciples of Christ. Jesus is listing the inequalities of a righteous character and the blessings that it brings into their lives. The religious elite of the day, the Pharisees, taught that righteousness was an external thing, yes? While Jesus described qualities of life that flowed from within. Are you and I aware of these inequalities in our own lives? They need to be there if we are truly a follower of Christ. <clears throat> this morning, we're going to examine more closely the second of these Beatitudes, which says, God blesses those who mourn. Strange words. For they will be comforted. To help us understand what Jesus is teaching us, I've attempted to divide this teaching into three main sections. The importance of mourning when a loss occurs. The second one, which is going to be challenging to us, spiritual mourning over sinfulness. That's what Jesus is teaching in this particular verse. Blessings which come as a result of mourning. Strange words. Blessings come from mourning? Let's move on to the first of those. The importance of mourning when loss occurs. It's just, be, it's just be general at the moment. What does it mean to mourn? God has inbuilt into each one of our lives important qualities which enable us to cope with the complexity of life and indeed to grow through them. Mourning is one of these important character qualities. I've tried to define mourning. Mourning is the process which an individual will go through after losing something or someone of great importance in their lives, yes? Feelings can include apathy and dejection. 
through to an entire loss of interest in the outside world. As we shall see, the process of mourning is a natural one for the human race. When some significant loss occurs in our lives or in the lives of others, people mourn. There comes a deep sadness into our lives which motivates us to cry out and to deeply reflect on the events which have occurred or are occurring around or within us. I'm sure all of you here have experienced that type of mourning. For example, mourning occurs when we lose someone close to us, such as a parent or a spouse. Mourning occurs when we lose something which we previously treasured or regarded as deeply important in our lives. Mourning can occur when we lose a part of ourselves through an accident or depression. Jesus himself mourned in this way over the death of Lazarus as he wept openly. See John 11.35. There he is weeping. Our Lord's weeping reveals the humanity of our Saviour. In every way, he has entered into all of our experiences and he knows how we feel. In fact, being the perfect God-man, Jesus experienced these things in a deeper way than we do. There he is, mourning and weeping. He understands, he knows. Let's go to the next step. <clears throat> but this is not the only type of mourning Jesus is referring to in these verses. In these Beatitudes, Jesus is talking at a much deeper level of the relationships between mankind and God. When we are confronted by the reality of sin and of our own sinfulness, we will experience this type of mourning expressed here in this verse. Indeed, this spiritual mourning, I've called it spiritual mourning, is experienced by those who realise that the depth of their sin and its abhorrence to God is what separates them from God. There is nothing they can do to make it right, and so they mourn their sinfulness. For example, the Apostle Paul speaks of spiritual mourning in Romans 7.24. Here it is on the screen. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Indeed, spiritual mourning, can I encourage you, is evidence that you're a Christian. On that slide, I'll just read those top words out. And it's encouraging as well. A Christian's consciousness of indwelling sin, his mourning over it, 
his sincere efforts to strive against it and his penitent confession over it are among the unmistakable evidences that he is a regenerate person. Isn't that encouraging? If you have been through this process, and most of us here have, be encouraged. God is showing you the reality of spiritual mourning and you are sure that you are one of his. Are there other examples in the Bible which illustrate spiritual mourning? Yes, there are. There's many of them, isn't there? I've taken the life of King David himself. We observe spiritual mourning in the life of King David himself. Now, he belonged to God. He had the Holy Spirit. He was a wonderful man of God. But when he didn't repent of his sins of adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah, God began to deal with him. Let's just read the next passage. Whoops, go back. A bit small, isn't it? I'll just read it out. This is Psalm 32, verses 3, 4 and 5. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. When David continued in sin, he was miserable. God's hand was heavy upon him. He was physically sick and even depressed and deeply mourning for his sins and their consequences. Have you experienced spiritual mourning when God has shown you your sinfulness? Yes, I have. In his love, God brings us to this turning point in our lives. Indeed, we will experience spiritual mourning as the Holy Spirit continues to work within our lives, convicting us of sin and of our failure to grow in Christ. If we are harbouring sins in our lives as a Christian, God lovingly allows spiritual mourning to turn us back to himself, and I'm glad he does, so that we will receive his forgiveness and be brought back into fellowship with him once again. As well as mourning over our own sins, we can also mourn over the sins of others. Even though Jesus had no sin, he still, we still observe him mourning for the sins of Israel. Luke 19, 41, 44. Christ had spiritual mourning for the Jewish people in Jerusalem. He saw his own people. He saw the sinfulness of his own people, Israel, 
and how they were totally rejecting that he was even the Messiah. He wept over their sinfulness and their refusal to acknowledge him as their Messiah. He understands, he knows he's been there even though he has no sin in his own life. In contrast, the prophet Jonah (laughs) did not show any spiritual mourning for the people of Nineveh. Instead, he desired that Nineveh would be destroyed. Destroy them, God. Don't try and save them. Because we know that God saved the people. Are you like Jesus or Jonah? Do you mourn over sins for family or friends? Or do you think they deserve hell? The blessings which come as a result of mourning. That slide, a little bit off the track, difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations are meant to be encouraging words to us. We've been examining the second beatitude which declares God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. Aren't they amazing words? Interestingly, this beatitude declares God's blessing, God's approval and joy over the, on the lives of those who mourn. Be encouraged. It seems paradoxical, <laughs> as most people would say the opposite, believing that true happiness comes by the avoidance of grief or things that bring pain. Yes, a lovely verse in Ecclesiastes came across my path. Sorrow. By the way, Ecclesiastes 7 and 3 is on the screen there. Sorrow is better than laughter. What? Because sober reflection is good for the heart. There she is weeping. Have you realised that mourning is good for our troubled hearts? Rather than resisting God when spiritual mourning occurs, allow him, welcome him in to be part of your mourning. It is this mourning which leads people to become Christians. This next part is an amazing sentence. The solution to sinfulness is Christ. The solution to sinfulness, we know that, is Christ. Paul says in Romans 7.25, Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And we know that. The world needs to know it. We are comforted when we realise that our sins can be forgiven and that we can walk in an intimate relationship with God. People who mourn for their sins but who resist God will not be comforted. Until King David acknowledged his sin and repented, he was in mourning. 
after he confessed his sins, the dark clouds of mourning were lifted from his life. Now, beautiful, confessing your sin is actually good for your health. <laughs> King David acknowledged that his sins were forgiven and that his guilt was gone. We also read of the blessings of mourning in Isaiah, which Denise read earlier. 61, 1 to 3. Beautiful words. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor in spirit. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, spiritually mourning, and to proclaim that captives to sin will be released and prisoners will be free. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. These beautiful words coming up here. To all who mourn Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. He will give a crown of beauty. I was really touched by that slide. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Jesus fulfilled these words when he preached in a local synagogue. See Luke 4, 18, 21. In the place of our mourning, we will be given a crown of beauty. In the place of ashes and joyous blessings. Just some final little comments. As we finish our time together in God's word, let's go back to the gospel. Christ has died in our place, taking on himself our sins. Yes? As a result, instead of mourning over our sinfulness, we can reach out to God for forgiveness and receive comfort. This is a blessing which is possible because of what Christ has done in our place. How does this teaching affect my everyday life? Spiritual mourning is a real part of our human journey. Welcome it into our lives. Jesus teaches us that as a Christian, we will mourn over the deep effects which sin is having in our lives, as well as its devastating effects on creation itself. When we mourn, we shall share our struggles with God and allow him to have his way in our lives. Christ teaches us that a person who mourns is blessed and will be comforted. Don't hold back. God truly loves you. If you are deeply mourning at this time, allow God to work in your life today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are real, <laughs> the living God. You love us. 
you care for us, you created us, you use even mourning itself to touch our lives that we would may listen to you and follow in your ways. Thank you for the preciousness of your word this morning. Amen.